Hey there, it's Kate coming to you with another week of replays on a topic that is especially near and dear to my heart after giving myself a little time off from producing new episodes. And that topic is rest. There's a lot to unpack here, starting with the idea that rest isn't something you earn, it's something you require. I hope these help you rejuvenate. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey there, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person, the show for people who give a shit about being a decent human. I'm Kate Hanley, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, we're talking about rest and how to get enough of it so that you don't wind up overstressed and feeling ill. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician and a work-life integration researcher. She's also the author of the book, Sacred Rest, and full confession, I am fangirling a little bit because when Dr. Dalton Smith was interviewed on a local NPR program, a friend of mine sent a link to our group chat, and she was so excited to tell us that being well-rested isn't just about getting sleep. Sometimes sleep is elusive. I think you might be able to relate to that statement. And we all got very excited to hear Dr. Dalton Smith's message because most of us, including me, struggle to get enough sleep a lot of the time. And I'm so excited to share her insights and wisdom with you today. So Dr. Dalton Smith, welcome and thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, so much health advice is focused on sleep both getting more of it and getting better quality sleep. I mean, I feel like you just read the headlines and it's about sleep, 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 sleep. But <laughs> you argue that rest is just as important as sleep and that they are two different things. So why is it important to make that distinction? I think for the very reasons you mentioned, I think a lot of people have put a lot of their focus on just getting more sleep or getting higher quality sleep. And then what happens if you do accomplish that and you still wake up tired? Or are you just never going to feel rested if you can't ever, you know, get to that elusive eight hours of deep sleep? I think we have to to re be able to see that sleep and rest both have a part in our lives. They're both important. But for a lot of people, they're not going to be able to even get better sleep until they understand their own personal rest deficits, because rest is the bridge that actually helps us to be able to even sleep better. So the different paradigms between rest and sleep, they work together. They're not supposed to be at odds with each other. Oh, that is so fascinating. I'm dying to know, how did you come to be interested in researching rest? Well, the simple answer is I burned out personally. So as you mentioned, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been in clinical practice now for over 20 years. But about five years into my professional practice, that's beyond residency and internship and all those other things you do. Mm -hmm. About five years into that aspect of it, I had kids and, you know, <laughs> I was working 40, 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was handling that pretty well. Well, when I had a family and I had two kids back to back, so there were two toddlers under two um, within a very short period of time, 
I realized very quickly, I did not know how to integrate my work and my life in a way that was healthy. Mm. So I burned out. And it was during that time of burnout that I started realizing, okay, I know that I'm sleep deprived, but when I'm getting more sleep, I don't feel any better. I don't, (laughs) I still feel tired. And so even when I was, you know, actively trying to put all of my focus on sleep, because that's what the medical community was suggesting at that time that, you know, this is a sleep revolution. We need to get eight hours, nine hours of sleep a night. But when you get that and you still wake up tired, that's a very, very troubling situation because what I'm being told should work to help me overcome burnout is actually not feeling very helpful. And I think that's when it started to dawn on me. I'm fatigued, but the fatigue I'm experiencing is not simply a need for more sleep. There's something else that is drained, that is exhausted, and I need to dig a little deeper so that I can actually identify the area that's depleted so I actually have some hope in reviving it and getting back to a place of feeling rested. Wow, that's <laughs> it's so wonderful to hear this coming from a doctor. <laughs> Uh, just, you know, based on your real life, a, a life experience that so many can identify with, and even just like knowing what you know about the, the medical point of view on things and recognizing that it's not just about sleep. And I'm curious, so you were mentioning fatigue, which I think is something that a lot of us are familiar with, that sensation. Well, what other kind of things happen when we're trying to muscle through our lives without adequate rest? Well, that's where the whole concept of rest deficits came from. You know, in my work, I talk about seven different types of rest. And with each type of rest, there are symptoms that can present themselves when you have a deficit in that area. And so just for a couple of examples, if someone has a mental rest deficit, they may find that, you know, they try to lay down to go to sleep at night, but they can't get their head to shut up or they're trying to do something at work and their mind drifts off and they can't concentrate or they find that it's harder for them to learn new things or to be able to memorize things. All signs of a mental rest deficit versus someone who may have, let's say, a physical rest deficit where they're noticing that they're having swelling in their legs and feet and they're having muscle aches and pains and neck and back shoulder um, difficulty and stiffness. And, you know, the thing with each of these types of fatigue that people can experience, there does have to be some due diligence to make sure there's no underlying medical problems. This is not a replacement for, you know, your yearly physical and making sure that other things are not in play. But once you've determined that everything else is looking good, but you still are feeling tired, that's really when those rest deficits need to be evaluated. Okay. You mentioned that you have seven types of rest, and I want to hear more about those, but I have to take a quick break. So listeners, stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, welcome back to my interview with Dr. Dalton Smith, author of the book Sacred Rest. Dr. Dalton Smith, you started to get into the types of rest before we took a break, but I would love for you to share with us what are the seven types of rest? Yeah, so physical rest is where I begin because it does include sleep. Sleep is definitely important, but physical rest has two components. You have the passive components, which are sleeping and napping, and then you have the active components, which include those things that improve your muscle flexibility, that includes your circulation and lymphatics drainage. So that's when you're taking into account things like yoga or stretching or a leisure walk or even the body ergonomics of your workstation, but you're evaluating how your body is being used in an environment. And then you have mental rest, as we mentioned, which are those things that are 
allowing you to clear your cerebral space. That can include things like meditation. It can include things like specifically doing activities that allow you to focus your thoughts so that you're not multitasking and you're not over-processing. It can include brain dumping where you're allowing yourself to jot down information so you're not allowing it to rummage around in your head unnecessarily. Then we have spiritual rest, which really takes into account your relationship with kind of people in, in, in general, your relationship with the earth and the world around you. So that can be through a faith-based type concept, if that's something that you believe in, or it can be through community that you have with either causes or things that make you feel like you have purpose and meaning, places where you feel like you belong and that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Then we have emotional rest. And emotional rest specifically is looking at your ability to be authentic about what you're feeling. So for example, if you're looking at how you spend your day, are you having to keep your emotions in check for professional reasons? You know, if you're someone in customer service and you're working with people who are not always nice, you may find that you have a bit of emotional labor that you carry and that you're not able to freely express yourself within your professional situation. But there needs to be times in all of our lives when we are able to just truly just be authentic about what we're feeling and experiencing. And so making sure that you offer opportunities for that, whether it's with someone you pay, like a coach or a therapist or a counselor, or if it's a trusted friend or family member. The other aspect of emotional rest is that some people get emotional rest by having an, a creative outlet. An emotional rest creative outlet might be something like if you're someone who deals with depression or maybe even anxiety or anger or fear, but you're able to get that emotional release through maybe writing or you're getting that emotional release through poetry or creating music in some way. So there's many ways people can experience emotional rest. It's just that release of being very authentic about what's inside of you. Next is spirit is um, social rest. Social rest looks at the people in our lives, specifically our relationship with them, and whether they are negatively pulling from our social energy or positively pouring back in if they're life-giving. And so most of the people in our life are pulling from us negatively socially. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure there are people in your life who don't really need anything from you. You just enjoy being around them. You receive from them. They are affirmative. They are supportive. They're not always needing and placing a demand on you because it's the people who are negatively pulling from your social energy that will have the tendency to be more demanding upon your time. And then the final two are sensory rest and creative rest. Sensory rest deals with our sensory inputs. So it's looking around at your environment and where you're experiencing sensory overload or where you're experiencing sensory engagement, you know, are, is your setting one that's very sensory rich? There's lots of lights and sounds. Are you on your computer all day? Are you in a place where it's noisy or other conversations are going on in the background or phones and things are ringing in the background? And then realizing that whether you are cognitively aware of your environment, if you've learned how to kind of tune it out, that your brain is what's doing that, that work of tuning it out. And so it can become fatigued in that process, even if you're not mentally aware of that underlying process happening and to make sure that you allow opportunities for silence and darkness and and being able to allow some sensory reprieve in that situation. And then finally, creative rest is simply looking at what are the ways you inspire yourself? A lot of us use creative energy throughout our day through problem solving or 
having to brainstorm or think of things outside of the box related to our work or our homes. And so making sure that you're allowing some time to enjoy beauty just for the sake of its ability to inspire you and to pour back into you. So whether you get that in nature, looking at the trees or the ocean or the lake or flowers or the stars, or if you're getting that through creative beauty, things like art or music or dance, you want to make space for that in your life because it has a restorative process as well. Wow. I love how comprehensive and holistic those categories are. I feel like you really cover the gamut with those. And that in each of those categories are things that I feel like, you know, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, I could use some more rest in that area. Oh, I could use some more rest in that area. I'm curious, how do you advise people start to discern what kinds of rests they need the most? Well, that was the number one question when I started introducing this to people. Uh, And that's where the quiz came from, our assessment at restquiz.com. That assessment is really based around helping someone identify which of the seven rest deficits they're most deficient in Mm -hmm. so that they're able to then place their attention and their focus on the areas of greatest deficit. I think it's overwhelming to think, oh, I need to get seven things chances are you're already excelling at some of these. That's how you've been able to continue working and doing what you're already doing. But there's sometimes one or two that maybe you aren't familiar with, or maybe you hadn't really thought about it in that way as it being something you could restore. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it's become a greater deficit. Focusing your attention on those particular areas usually show the, the quickest response. Got it. Oh, I like that. I went and took the quiz. And just to say the URL again, it's restquiz.com. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, great. I'll include a link to that in the show notes right there inside your podcast app. So you could, if you're listening, go click on that link and go take the quiz right now. I took the quiz yesterday. And I'm curious how common this experience is. I was like, a lot of my numbers were very close to each other. There was one that kind of tipped into the you need to, this is your leading category of rest where you need some attention. It was mental rest and it was very validating, <laughs> you know, to see like, yeah, it makes sense. And and yes, this is actually showing up on a quiz. And yes, I really do need to prioritize the, you know, whatever gets my, my brain into those like good groovy brain waves. But, you know, is that common? Are, is it usually like one that's way out of, proportion to the others or are most people, I mean, how are we doing generally? What's your experience? For most people, mental rest uh, has consistently been on the higher um, level for, we've had over a quarter million people who've taken the study at this point, so that it has consistently been on the higher end. However, recently, especially with COVID and with everybody transitioning to hybrid type workspaces for a long time, we notice a a huge upshoot in sensory rest deficits that had not been there before. Mm -hmm. So those two tend tend to volley back and forth as far as which one's going to be on top at any given time. But yes, most people do have one or two that are significantly, you know, that maybe not through the roof, but you can tell that, oh, that one's five points higher than all the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, don't expect any of those numbers to be zero because none of us, I mean, you have to be dead to not be using energy. And so all of this is basically an evaluation of like a battery system. If you you think of your mind, body and soul as a 
as a battery. You know, you're using energy, you're putting energy back in. The battery goes up and down throughout the day as you're doing things either restorative or draining it. And so those numbers are always in flux. So you're taking kind of a snapshot of this moment in time just to give you an ability to reflect upon this is something I need to be mindful of. And so I always recommend that people, when you look at your score, just as you did, think about your day-to-day life. You know, what? how does this relate to how I see myself using energy? And am I doing things knowing that I'm a person who uses a lot of mental energy? Am I doing something to restore that part of myself? Because if you can't answer that question, chances are you're going to end up with a rest deficit if you're not doing something to pour back into that area. I got it. Well, speaking of daily schedules and figuring out how to take care of these different areas, you're, as you mentioned, a physician, you're a mom, you're an author, you have a ton going on. Could you share a typical day that incorporates the rest that you need so that we can start to envision how we might be able to do that for ourselves? Yeah, so I'll just use I'll use today as an example okay. for myself. And so th- this week I have speaking engagements that are coming up at the end of the week. So I'm kind of reviewing notes and things of that nature. So and I have a new work that I'm writing. And so there's time to need it for that. So when I get up in the morning, the very first thing I ask myself almost every morning is just kind of a quick assessment. How do I feel mm-hmm. if I wake up one morning and I'm automatically coming out of the bed feeling like I don't feel 100 percent? You know, I feel drained or my energy levels low or something like that. Before I just kind of drag on throughout the day, I immediately take a look back at the day before, just kind of mentally in my head and think about what did I do, you know, on that day that is different? Because usually for me, if I'm noticing that, I use energy in a way that I didn't account for. Mm -hmm. And so the surprises sometimes that pop up (laughs) in life with teens. Mm -hmm. So if if you had something that popped up that maybe you hadn't really thought about Mm -hmm. and you didn't actually do something restorative for, you may need to address that before you kind of dive into your day. So this particular morning when I woke up, I, you know, my son had a basketball game yesterday. And so we were out late and I didn't get my normal, you know, routine down. Mm -hmm. So when I got up this morning, one of the very first things that I did, because I knew something that I needed and didn't do was a time for sensory rest a time of just kind of downgrading my sensory input before going to bed. I kind of just jumped in and went to sleep. So the very first thing that I do is as I'm getting up in the morning, rather than play music or rather than, you know, do some of the other things that I would normally do for creative rest, Mm -hmm. I spent that time in silence. Mm -hmm. I just spent that time not, not doing anything because I knew for myself, I was already wound up kind of all night long because of not dealing with the sensory rest overwhelm. And so, you know, the yelling, the screaming, the whistles, all the stuff Mm -hmm. that happens at a high school basketball game. Mm -hmm. And so starting off my day with that, just with 20 minutes of sipping my coffee, kind of looking, I did look out kind of over the pond and, and our yard, and then with no music or anything else playing in the background, just to have that silence, because I know that was an area that got drained. As my day goes on, something else that I do that's part of my physical rest is I'm short, I'm five two, so most of the chairs and things that you purchase for a, a normal office space are not built for someone of my height. Mm-hmm. So I notice that most of the time I benefit from having a stool underneath my desk so that it elevates my legs. So I'm not having pressure on the back of my leg mm-hmm. and not getting the swelling in my legs and feet. So 
that is an automatic one thing that every desk that I sit in in my house has this little thing. My kids, if they have to get the desk and push it out the way because they're six feeders, but I'm not. So I pull it forward and I put my foot up on that. And so I'm getting physical rest and that I'm evaluating the body ergonomics of my workstation so that I'm not just sitting in a chair that's bigger than my body, causing me to have unnecessary pressure that can then end up with varicose veins and swelling. Mm. I'm being proactive. It's a one-time fix that I put up under every desk that gives me a a sense of physical rest as it relates to that. Mm. And then as my day is going on, sitting down doing the, you know, going through my computer and doing stuff, I tend to do time blocking. For myself, one of the things that lends itself to my mental rest overwhelm is going in and out of emails. I get emails all day long. If I allow those notifications to just come in as and I go in and out of my work to answer them throughout the day, I'm going to end up in a situation where I'm very scattered because I'm not focusing on anything. I'm, I'm kind of multitasking. So I do time blocks. So I have time blocks that I do email. And so usually for me, my time blocks are I have a larger block of time in the morning where I will work on them. And then in the evening, I have a very short, like 30 minute block that I'll go in and kind of tidy up any immediate things that I need to answer, but I don't look at my emails all day long. Mm. And what that does is it gives my brain the ability to release the emails and not have to think about them throughout the day because I know I'm going to have these specific time blocks. And in between that, I can do deeper work, like work on whatever I'm writing at the time or work on whatever research I have going on. And so those are some ways for me to incorporate some of these different types of rest and then at the end of the day, I always like to do something for creative rest. That tends to be where I'm pouring out quite a bit, whether it's writing or speaking or researching. It's all a creative process to some degree to have some type of creative rest outlet. So sometimes for me, that might be taking a walk outside in a place that's beautiful. You know, there's flowers and different things that I'm looking at. Sometimes for me, creative rest is simply making sure that I surround myself with beauty purchasing flowers or having flowers delivered to my house that I'm going to have in the room for that week or or making sure that I change the lock screen on my computer or my phone so that when it pops up, it's something that's inspirational to me for that month. And just doing those kind of things to keep creative elements around me so that I'm not always having to think about it. Some of these are things that are just present that are adding to my restorative process. Oh, wow. Thank you for walking us through that. For people who are loving what you're sharing and would like to hear more, where can they connect with you? The best place would be my main website is just drdaltonsmith.com and that's just drdaltonsmith.com. Okay, great. I'll put that in the show notes too, as well as the link to the quiz. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. How to Be a Better Person's theme song, Left for Deadish, is by Junior85. The episodes are mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley. Don't forget the W. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 